0: Good morning. Anybody grow up in the 80s? I represent. Some of you are like you're trying to forget the 80s. Some of you have no idea what you missed. So bear with me just a moment as I narrowed this down to a few great memories for people like me that grew up in the 80s. See if you connect just a little bit. Let's put the first picture on the screen. This right here. This is what made you want to go back to school every year, getting the new Trapper Keeper. Anybody remember the Trapper Keeper? Oh, yeah. Man, that's what just finally got you over the edge. I can move out of summer back into school. Trapper Keeper. I had one that had, like, Star Wars on it. I had one that had, like, Lamborghini on it. Oh, man. Still ain't got the Lamborghini. But anyway. All right. Next picture. Remember these? If you don't know what that is, I'm not even telling you. Some of you still have some. Yeah, that's all right. I'm going to wear mine next Sunday. Uh, How about this next? Me and my sister are pretty cool, aren't we? No, it's not us. It's really not us, but that's not the best part of the 80s, but high hair and neon flare, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Tight roll them jeans. Oh, yeah. I have a peg on it. All right, how about this next one? She awesome or is she awesome? Oh, Nancy, I got to be in California a couple weeks ago and uh, had the opportunity to uh, go to the Reagan uh, Memorial Library, and it was just incredible uh, to be there. And I just think about uh, he and his wife, and uh, she led the Just Say No campaign, and uh, just an incredible, incredible lady, part of politics there for you. Uh, Next, how about this one? That says it all, doesn't it? That just screams the 80s, everything about it. Uh, That's Rocky. And if you remember, um, the movies of Rocky IV was, you know, kind of like it was there, you know. And uh, who did Rocky fight in Rocky IV? Anybody remember? Drago. Who was from? Russia. And it was the 80s. We didn't like anybody from Russia, right? Movies depicted that i remember forgetting forget when Rocky finally laid it on him, you know what I'm saying? Like Rocky's face, you can't even recognize him anymore, right? He shouldn't be alive. And somehow, you know, he takes it to him and he does it for the Americans. And he waves that flag. And it's just one of those moments. Well, in the 80s, we had what was called the Cold War, which had been going on. And, man, I just remember, you know, as a kid, like it was all about the Russians, right? You know, the Russians are listening. And the Russians are bad people. And the Russians could be coming. And they're sitting over there with their finger on the red button. And we're just afraid they're going to hit it. And we're in the midst of this cold war. And as a result, we didn't like the Russians. We were told not to like the Russians. And we didn't like what the Russians did. And we didn't like who the Russians were. We didn't like them politically. We didn't like them personally. We didn't like them in sports. Great moment in Olympic history, 1980, Miracle on Ice. Anybody remember that? Anyway, some cool things happened there. But we were just told, don't like them. But really, it's stronger than that, right? We were actually taught to hate them. We are actually taught to hate them. Well, as we moved on into the 90s and uh, we moved into that decade, we moved into a different war. We moved out of the Cold War into the Gulf War, right? And now we turn our disdain towards the Iraqis. And then we get into the war on terror and we just like spread it out to everybody that's a Muslim and we just have a disdain for them. I'm just I'm being honest with you guys for just a moment. I don't even have time to go back over 100 years ago to the Civil War and the effects that still has on us today. Sadly, looking down on others just comes naturally to us. For instance, if you're driving down the road and someone's going slow and you blow around them, you think they're a moron, right? But as you're there and somebody blows around you, all of a sudden they're a maniac, Right? If you make less money than me, you're not good enough for me. If you make more money than me, you're too good for me. So what's happening in these moments for us is if you're not like me, then I don't like you. If you don't look like me, if you don't dress like me, if you don't act like me, if you don't behave like me, if you don't vote like me, if you don't drive a Ford for crying out loud, right? I means all these things that we put in between us and other people that cause distance and cause hatred. Well, I just want to encourage you a little bit to know that like our culture today and this time in history is not much different than all the other times in history. In fact, when Bible was being written, when the Bible was being written, uh, during that time in history there was just as much hatred and racism and distance between people then. In fact, um, when the Greeks ruled the world, uh, they really felt like they were the dominant race in every way about it. It was the Greeks and the barbarians. You were either Greek or you were a barbarian. The way that they came up with this name barbarians for all these other people is because if you didn't speak Greek, when you would speak, the Greeks would think you were barking And so they thought it sounded like bar-bar, and we get the word bark, and we get the word barbarian. And so if you didn't speak Greek, you were beneath them. Aristotle went on to suggest about people during that time that not only was it a language thing that caused you to be less than them, he went on to say that people who lived in the cold lands in the north had plenty of courage and spirit, but little skill and intelligence. Those who lived in the warm south had plenty of skill and intelligence, And culture, but little spirit and courage. In other words, only the Greeks lived in a climate designed by nature to produce the perfectly blended character to rule the world. That sounds silly, right? And yet we would all argue that SEC college football (laughs) tops the rest of them, right? Because it does, right? We come up with all these reasons why we are better than you are. Those people just don't understand. They just don't get it. It matters more, right? It matters more. It just means more. Well, the disparity between the Jews and the Gentiles was even greater. Look at Acts chapter 10, beginning at verse number 1. Acts chapter 10, verse number 1. As you're turning there, we're we're picking up in the portion of the story where Peter re enters the story. Um, a follower of Jesus got to spend time with Jesus. Uh, back in chapter nine, which we don't have time to look into today, he heals a man that was lame, caused him to walk again. What an incredible miracle! Uh, there's a lady who dies that he causes to come back to life. That's pretty cool. And yet what I would suggest to you is that what we're going to read in Acts chapter 10 is greater, more powerful, and has a greater impact on the world than a guy being healed and a lady being raised back from the dead. Acts chapter 10, beginning in verse number 1. In Caesarea, there lived a Roman army officer named Cornelius, who was a captain of the Italiano Regimente. Verse 2. He was a devout, God-fearing man, as was everyone in his household. So you very quickly could see here that he is a religious man. He gave generously to the poor and prayed regularly to God. Two really good things to do. Really good things to do. Verse 3. One afternoon, about 3 o'clock, he had a vision in which he saw an angel of God coming toward him. Cornelius, the angel said, Cornelius stared at him in terror. And by the way, if you were Cornelius, you would have done the same thing. But then he speaks and he says, what is it, sir? He asked the angel. And the angel would, uh, let me just explain here real quick. The angel is just a messenger of God, okay? A messenger of God. It goes on to say, and the angel replied, your prayers and gifts to the poor have been received by God as an offering. Now send some men to Joppa, And summon a man named Simon Peter, the Peter we were speaking of earlier. He is staying with Simon, a tanner, who lives near the seashore. As soon as the angel was gone, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout soldier, one of his personal attendants. He told them what had happened and sent them off to Joppa. So we see this city named Joppa, we see this person named Peter, and we see this man named Cornelius who has a lot of authority. This man Cornelius is a religious man, and now he is acting on what he has heard from this angel of God to send his servants to Joppa. Interesting little thing to connect some dots here for you if you know much about the word of God, okay? If you don't, follow me. It's really, really cool. Old Testament story. God tells a guy named Jonah to go share the good news and his name with a huge group of people who would have been a Gentile group. Jonah didn't want to go. Guess where he went to get away from these Gentiles? Joppa. And now here we are, centuries later, and God is using Joppa to usher in his people into the Gentile people because Cornelius was a Gentile. Verse 9. The next day, as Cornelius' messengers were nearing the town, Peter went up on the flat roof to pray. It was about noon, and he was hungry. I don't know if he was hangry or not. You know what that is, right? I get that. But he was hungry. So there was this going on. And anytime you're hungry, everything's kind of elevated just a little bit. He was hungry, but while a meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. So he is going to fall asleep. He's going to have this dream. He's going to have this vision. Verse 11. He saw the sky open, and something like a large sheet was let down by its four corners. In the sheet... Were all sorts of animals, reptiles and birds. So you've got this picture of this huge sheep being let down with all of these animals, including reptiles and birds. Verse 13. Then a voice said to him, "Get up, Peter, kill and eat them." And all the hunters in the room said, "Now see, I'm telling you this in this month rather than in the fall, because if this were in the fall, you wouldn't be here to hear that verse, right? By by the way, this is not the mission of the church, okay? This is not the mission of the church. Greater picture here. Our mission is still to help people find and follow Jesus. Verse 14. No, Lord. Wait a minute. When God tells you what to do, shouldn't you tell him yes? But Peter says, no, Lord, Peter declared. I have never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have declared impure or unclean. Peter is making it very clear, I am a law-abiding Jew of Israel. I follow the Jewish laws. I believe in Jesus, but I still follow those laws. I have never, ever t- touched something that you've told me not to touch. There are tons and tons of dietary laws in the Old Testament that kept you ceremonially clean so that you could go worship and experience the temple. And Peter's like, hey, I have never done that, and you have lost your mind, God. I am not going to touch all of these unclean things. Verse 15, but the voice spoke again. Do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. going to read that again. Do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. So there's this big, long list of animals in the Old Testament and types of animals in the Old Testament that you were not supposed to touch, you were not supposed to consume you were not supposed to have anything to do with because they would make you unclean and God's making it clear don't call something unclean if I say now that it's clean but wait a minute God for all of these years you have told us very clearly in your written word that those things are unclean and now you're saying that they're Clean. So we're seeing a shift take place here. I would suggest to you that the shift that we're looking at this morning may be a greater shift and a harder shift than what we saw last week in the conversion of Saul. Now think about Saul for just a minute. Saul was this guy who was a follower of God through the Jewish religion, did not believe in Jesus, hated Jesus, hated the movement so much that he went about killing followers of Jesus. Everywhere he went, people were dying at his hand. Everywhere he went, people were going to jail because they were followers of Jesus. Well, Saul meets Jesus, gets converted to become a follower of Jesus. It takes a little time, but the church accepts Saul into their fold and says, Okay, we'll let you in I would suggest to you that the church had an easier time accepting Saul who used to murder their very own into their midst than it's going to be for them to accept people and things that God said before you're not supposed to accept them. The shift that's taking place and this idea is massive and it's hard. Again, verse 15, this, but the voice spoke again, do not call something unclean. If God has made it clean. When God speaks, listen. He may not say what you expect him to say. Have you ever had a conversation with somebody and you thought it was going to go this way and it went that way? Whoa! Have you ever heard somebody say something that you've never heard before and and they they get a little bit off track? Like yesterday was Cinco de Mayo, right? And you think you know what that's all about, but you probably don't, Right? So our kids were like, "Oh, it's the Mexican Independence Day," and we're like, "No, and, you know." So anyway, we've had, anyway, wait a minute. What if I were to say something today that you've never heard before, or opposite of what you've heard before? You'd be like, "Whoa, that's what's happening in this moment when God speaks." Listen, because He may not say what you expect Him to say. So you better listen very carefully. He said this to Peter to rise up and. You never know when God might tell you to eat bacon. What? you got to understand, according to the dietary laws, they, like pigs, it was out. It's just how good Jesus is, man. Like, he, he just freed up everything. Now we can eat bacon. Do you realize that if Jesus wouldn't have done everything he did, like, if we were going to be, like, God followers, we couldn't eat bacon right now? Like, it would be illegal? Like, according to the law? Bacon. Jim Gafkin says, the only thing that applauds you while you're cooking it is bacon. <laughs> Verse 16. Now, some of you are lost completely because you are smelling bacon. Verse 16. The same vision was repeated three times. So it's like, I know Peter's a little bit slow, so I'm going to tell him not once, but I'm going to tell him twice and three times. It's kind of the number that goes along with Peter's personality if you look back in Scripture. Then the sheet was suddenly pulled up to heaven. Peter was very perplexed, as you and I would be. What could the vision mean? I mean, it's all about food for him at this point. Why does he want me to eat these animals? Like, you want me to eat an alligator? What do you want me to do? Just then, the men sent by Cornelius found Simon's house, standing outside the gate. They asked if a man named Simon Peter was staying there. And they found him, and they made their trip. Drop down to verse number 28. They get to Cornelius' house, and here's what Peter says to him. You know it's against our, meaning Jewish laws, it's against our laws for a Jewish man to enter a Gentile home like this or to associate you. In other words, what I'm about to do, I'm not supposed to do. He made it very clear. I just want you to know that I know that what I'm about to do, I'm not supposed to do. Then he goes on and says, But God has shown me that I should no longer think of Anyone, everybody say anyone, anyone as impure or unclean. You see, this wasn't really ultimately about food after all. This was about people, people that God created, people that Jesus died for, people that God wanted to come to know him. And he's saying to Peter, rise up and eat. And it's so much more than to do with food. He's about people, And Peter's starting to get it. He's having this aha moment. Ah, it wasn't just food. This is about people. This is about the gospel. This is about the mission. Oh, yeah, when Jesus said, go into Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the world, I guess when we really get outside of Jerusalem, there's not so many Jews. I guess we're going to have to start telling the Gentiles. He says, I'm not supposed to do this, but God told me I should, so I'm going to do it. I'm no longer going to think of anyone As impure or unclean. What does it mean to be impure or unclean? It would mean to be looked upon as rejected or despised or taboo. Peter has this aha moment and realizes what this vision means. He is now realizing that the cross of Jesus and the finished work that he has done there has brought about cleansing for every one and the people that were separated and pushed away are now being drawn in because of the gospel no longer because of your race or your ethnic origin or moral cultural distinctives or physical distinctives are you impure or unclean rejected, despised or taboo now you are brought in So in other words, Peter went from, yesterday I can't eat this because it's unclean and a no-no, to now I'm supposed to eat it. Also, he went from yesterday, I can't talk to these people, and now I'm supposed to share Jesus with them. That's the amazing thing about what we're reading here. Our hearts are being told by God, just like they were by Peter, to reach out to anyone and everyone. Don't write off anybody. Don't snub anybody. Don't walk on the other side of the road. Instead, cross over and help them. Look at verse 29. Peter goes on to say, so I came without objection as soon as I was sent for. Now tell, you, tell me why you sent me. Verse 30. Cornelius replied, four days ago, I was praying in my house about the same time, three o'clock in the afternoon. Suddenly a man in dazzling clothes was standing in front of me. He told me, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard, and your gifts to the poor have been noticed by God. Now send messengers to Joppa and summon a man named Simon Peter. He is staying in the home of Simon, a tanner who lives near the seashore. So I sent for you at once, and it was good of you to come. Now we are all here waiting before God to hear the message the Lord has given to you. Verse 34, then Peter replied, I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism. This is a moment, people, no matter who you are or where you came from, you should be grateful for. Because I'm here to tell you, no matter who you are or where you came from or what you have accomplished, there is somebody out there that wants to write you off. There is somebody out there that doesn't want you. There is somebody out there that says you're not good enough. There is somebody out there that says you're too good for them. There is somebody out there that says you don't belong, and yet God comes along, and he makes it very clear, I don't show favoritism. If I made you, I love you. Now, God made me, and if you're living and breathing, God made you, and guess what he's saying to you in this moment? I love you. He's going further than that. He's saying, I want you. Maybe you're like, okay, cool, great, keep preaching, that's good. Maybe you've never been rejected before. But for the people in this room that have experienced rejection, have experienced racism, have experienced hatred, have experienced separation because of who they were or who they weren't, they're incredibly grateful for what's being declared here in Scripture. No favoritism. Verse 35. In Every nation, in every nation, he accepts those who fear him and do what is right. In every nation, the gospel is for the nations, it's for the Russians, it's for the Iraqis, it's for the Muslim nations. It's for the Asians. It's for the Africans. It's for the Americans. It's for the African-Americans. It's for the Mexican-Americans. It's for the Asian-Americans. It's for the white Americans. It's for everybody. When God said anybody, he meant anybody. When God said everybody, he meant everybody. When God said no favoritism, he meant no favoritism. He meant no favoritism verse 36 This is the message, okay? Peter says, "This is the message of good news. They hadn't heard this before. Cornelius was waiting and he's this is the message of good news for the people of Israel that there is peace with God through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of who? all." Drop down to verse 39. "And we apostles, are witnesses of all he did throughout Judea and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a cross. This is news for Cornelius. He had not heard all of this, he didn't know all of this. Verse 40. But God raised him to life on the third day. Wait a minute, you're telling me he died? And now he's alive? Yes. Drop down now to verse number 42. And he, Jesus, ordered us to preach everywhere. Peter's really getting it now, this whole everywhere idea. Everywhere. And to testify that Jesus is the appointed by God to be the judge of all. The living and the dead. He is the one all the prophets testified about. Saying that everyone who believes in him will have their sins forgiven through his name. What has Peter just done? He told them what they were desperate to hear. They told He told them what we were desperate to hear. He told them what the whole world is desperate to hear. He told them there's a Savior and his name is Jesus. And he loves everybody and he wants everybody. And he died for everybody and he came back from the dead and he wants to rescue you. He shared with them the gospel. So Cornelius and his home, his household, they're hearing all of this. They are hearing the gospel. They are coming to faith in Jesus, the resurrected Savior. Would you agree, as we read the scripture, that Cornelius sounds like a good guy? I mean, this guy prays. This guy gives to the poor. We would put those two together and say he's a religious person. Hear me out. The gospel isn't just for irreligious people. It's for religious people too. Do you realize that if you're a good person, you need Jesus just as much as the bad people? Because without Jesus, you are forever separated from God. Because you might be better than they are, but you're not perfect. You might think you're better than they are, but you're not perfect. You need, we need, they need, everybody needs the gospel. Everybody needs the gospel. And with Cornelius, God had begun to work on his heart. But his greatest need was not to give to the poor and to pray. And those are great things. I encourage you to do them. His greatest need was the gospel. His greatest need was the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus. There was this hunger in Cornelius' heart. He's like, I want God. And when he started praying to him and giving, he's like, I want more of him. And God provided more of him. And if you want all of God, you need Jesus. Because Jesus is all of God for you. His death, his burial, and his resurrection is God giving all of himself to you. I think we all have that hunger and that desire in our hearts and our lives. We're all stuffing it full of something. Jesus is the only one that can fill it. Verse 44. Even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. And so we've got these people who are hearing the gospel. They're placing faith in Jesus. And now we're seeing the Holy Spirit come upon them. Verse 45. The Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too. What? We thought like we were God's favorites, right? We thought like we had special privilege. We thought we were the only ones that had the inside track. And especially this Holy Spirit thing, I thought like it was just us and God. Wait a minute, they get him too? Verse 46. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter asked, can anyone object to their being baptized now that they have received the Holy Spirit just as we did? Question mark. Hearing no objections. Verse 48. So he gave orders for them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Afterward, Cornelius asked him to stay with them for several days. We're seeing here in chapter 10 a shift, a colossal shift. God not just saying, I want everyone to receive me, but showing that he wants everyone to receive him. In Acts chapter 2, if you've been with us throughout the book of Acts, we talked about the day of Pentecost, it was the coming of the Holy Spirit on the early church. It happened amongst Jewish people on that day, the Jerusalem Pentecost. The Holy Spirit has come. He's going to empower them. He's going to help them. He's going to guide them. He's going to direct them. He's going to help them do things they can't do on their own. Later on, we see the Holy Spirit come to the Samaritans. Samaritans were people that were half Jews and half Gentiles. Eh, Kind of, I don't know, like I guess they're kind of in because they're Jews. And they get the Holy Spirit. They have a Pentecost, if you will, a Samaritan Pentecost. And now we are seeing the Gentile Pentecost which says for all of us in this room who are Gentiles, that Jesus and everything he's got is for us too. We're not being pushed away. He's not playing favorites. He's showing forth his love and his grace and his mercy. The Holy Spirit is for all who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're a believer and you understand that Jesus is the one who died for you and your sin, and you've confessed that to him, and you've received him as your Lord, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. It's awesome. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you. He lives inside of you. It may be what is causing you right now to process some things and to wrestle with some things that we've been talking about this morning because maybe the way you've been thinking or viewing other people doesn't agree with what God wants for you. And the Holy Spirit right now is saying, you're wrong. You're wrong. And it's not my voice that's doing that. It's the Spirit of God. And these people on that day, they had received the Lord. Have you received Jesus. Have you repented of your sin and believe that Jesus died for you and rose again? If not, today is the day. Now is the time. He can change your life. No matter who you are, no matter what you have done, no matter what you haven't done, no matter who your family is or who your family isn't, Jesus loves you and wants to save you and rescue you and make you his own today. They also got baptized on this day. Let me ask you this. Have you ever been baptized? And by the way, every instance that we find in Scripture, every instance in Scripture of baptism is someone coming to faith in Jesus, understanding their sin and separation from God and becoming a believer first, and then after that, being plunged in the water to show forth the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Every time do we see faith in Christ, then baptism. And also, almost every time you see someone come to faith in Christ in Scripture, we see them immediately following Jesus in baptism. Why? Because that's what followers of Jesus do. So if you're a follower of Jesus and you haven't declared him publicly through baptism, that's what you need to do next. And that's what they did on this day. It's just an incredible thing happening here. Acts chapter 11, verse number 1. This is where it gets, it gets kind of dicey. Soon the news, I don't know if they had Facebook back then, but word got back. Soon the news reached the apostles and the other believers in Judea. They hadn't even left little stomping grounds, had they? They kind of huddled up over here. Peter was the bold one that says, you know what, I'll go over here to Joppa. And God says, okay, go to Cornelius' house. I'll go to Cornelius' house. He's being obedient. He's the one that got out of the boat In the Gospels, Peter was the one that said, Okay, you say it, I'll do it. It sounds crazy, but I'm going for it. Peter's doing it, word gets back. You ever done something you're like, man, it was the best experience of my life. Man, it was awesome. It was so good. And in the back of your head you're thinking, and it wasn't anything bad about it. It was like a good, wholesome experience. But in the back of your head you're thinking, man, I hope they don't find out because they will so rough me up for doing that, right? They'll think I was an idiot or a moron. Or, you, know, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know those, those people in you that just always like to talk down about what you do and want to like joy killers? Well, they had found out. It found out that these Gentiles had received the word of God, verse 2. But when Peter arrived back in Jerusalem, the Jewish believers criticized him. Listen to me, believers. If you do something that Jesus tells you to do, there is going to be somebody, and they may even be another believer who is going to not like what you do. So if you're thinking, I'm going to follow Jesus, and I'm going to do what he tells me to do, and everybody's just going to celebrate it, and they're going to be happy about it, forget it. You start getting bold and saying, God, you say it, I'll do it. People are going to say, I don't know what's wrong with that guy. He has lost his mind. Everybody get away from him. Again, it may be other believers. It may be family members, coworkers. But listen, when God tells you what to do, let me encourage you to do it regardless of what anybody else thinks. Because at the end of the day, there is only one that matters, and his name is God, and he sits on the throne. Nobody else sits there. Nobody else sits there. Some people think they do, right? They think they're your judge, but they're not. There's only one, and his name is God. Do it anyway. Whatever Jesus tells you to do, do it anyway. Why? Because if Jesus tells you to do it, it's so that more people can come to know him. And guess what people need? Jesus. He's not going to tell you to do anything that's that's wrong, but he's going to tell you to do things that will cause other people to come to know him. Verse number three, here's what they say. You, I can just hear the tone in their voice, right? I'm a tone guy. Sometimes my tones aren't what they ought to be. I'm always working on them. But I can just imagine the tone that they had in this moment. You entered the home of Gentiles and even ate with them. Verse 4. Then Peter told them exactly what had happened was, drop down now, verse number 17. He tells them the story in verse number 17. Here's the conclusion. And since God gave these Gentiles the same gift, what was the gift? I think I heard two answers, and we'll say they're both correct. Salvation and the Spirit. Okay? Salvation in the Spirit. And since God gave the Gentiles the same gift he gave us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, here's Peter's conclusion. Who was I to stand in God's Way. Can you imagine being in God's way? Let me just encourage you to get out of the way. <laughs> Let me tell you how you get out of God's way. When God is doing something, get out of the way by getting on board. Process this. When God is doing something, get out of the way by getting on board. Huh. I don't know about you, but I, I mean, my heart of hearts, and I think yours is the same. I don't want to get in God's way. I mean, I really don't want to get in his way. But what God's teaching me over and over and over and over again is the way I really get out of his way is not by moving back and saying, well, you and them going," on. No, by hopping on and into what he is doing. That's how I really get out of God's way. That's how I get into the way and the truth and the life is by cooperation and by faith. And some of you right now might be saying, well, they're doing this or they're doing that. And that may be what you you say about your church even. And I'm here to tell you, if you want to really get out of God's way, start doing what God is doing. Jump on board with him. Do you realize that we can accomplish so much more for people being reached with the gospel of Jesus Christ if we will all get out of God's way by getting on board and sharing him with everyone? By sharing it with everyone. It's a really quiet room this morning, and I kind of expected that, and we're not done yet. i got a couple more questions that are going to make it quieter. Four people actually made some kind of murmur right there in that moment, because now you're really, really nervous. Verse 18. When the others heard this, they stopped objecting, praise God, and began praising God. They said, we can see that God has also given the Gentiles the privilege of repenting of their sins and receiving eternal life. When God is doing something, get out of the way by getting on board. A couple questions for you. First one's this. What if God told you something was wrong yesterday and told you it was right today? Like, what? What kind of question is that? Well, that's what we see happen here in Acts chapter 10, do we not? The day before, Peter was not supposed to eat all of those animals that God said eat. The day before, Peter was not supposed to associate with Gentiles according to the Jewish Old Testament law. What if God told you something was wrong yesterday and told you it was right today? Well, hopefully, if we're like, okay, it was definitely God. It was definitely God that said that. and It was definitely God that said this. Hopefully, all of us that are believers, we'd say, I do today what he said is right. That's what we hopefully say. But then we would pause and say, Well, I don't know if God's going to do that now. And I would say, I'd probably agree with you. If you showed up today and you said, God told me that yesterday that was wrong and today it's right, I'd be like, Eh, could you like play that over on your phone? Because I want to hear that directly from him too, right? I mean, this moment with Peter was huge. And, I, I, and, you know, it takes a lot of faith on our part to believe that it happened and it's the word of God. But I don't know that God's going to come down and speak to you and tell you yesterday it was wrong, today it was right. If he did, if he did, you should do what he says. But let me tell you where we are today. Okay, here's the next question. This next question is one I think we need to wrestle with. What if someone, okay, what if someone told you something was wrong yesterday and God told you it was right today this is where i think our angst is this is where i think our, our 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 tension is what if someone told you something was wrong yesterday and God told you it was right today well i would do what God told me well wait a minute who's the someone What if your someone's your grandma? Y'all tracking with me here? What if your someone was the grandma? Now, I've got two grandmothers that have died and gone on to heaven, and I'm grateful for them and who they are. And let me tell you how they would react if I did today what God told me was right, if what they told me to do yesterday was just not correct. They would roll over in their graves But they would do it with joy, and here's why. Because they can see clearly now. Do you think my grandmothers were perfect? No. Do you think my grandfathers were perfect? No. Do you think my dad was perfect? No. Do you think I'm the perfect dad and everything I say to my kids is exactly right? No. And what God may do over time in my life and in your life is, through his word and through his spirit, show us that what someone told us yesterday was not the truth and was not right, and we should not stick with that. We should stick with what God tells us to do. Wait a minute. Like, how are they going to feel about that? They're going to criticize you. Well, what if they don't talk to him anymore? Well, hopefully it gives you an opportunity to talk to more people about Jesus. I'm telling you, obeying Jesus is tough. It's hard. Peter took a giant leap of faith and obedience when he said, I'm going into Cornelius' house. Huge step. Knowing that everybody that he was buddies with was going to say, Ant, you're out. Church is going to struggle with it. In Scripture, this whole idea of reaching everyone, we're still struggling with it today. But by God's grace, may we obey God. If you have some opinions, some beliefs, or some prejudices that your culture, your news channel, or your grandma have spoken into you that are wrong, please obey God. May God show us what we need to see today and what we need to hear today. If we are wrong, may he expose it. May we obey him. If we despise someone or a group of people, may he expose that in our hearts. May we obey him and love others. May we be found sharing the gospel with everyone. I preached long today. I knew I was going to. I left out some stuff that I would have loved to say that would have been good, been great. I figured today would be long. I figured today would be quiet. I figured today would be like, whoo, been a good day to go to the lake. Because I really didn't like hearing that today. Because let me just tell you something. This is just as hard for me to wrestle with as it is for you. And some of you are saying, "Well, but you don't know my experience. You, you, you didn't have the same experience that I had, and, and they didn't do this to you, and they didn't do that. Listen, I'm hearing you, and you haven't had the same experiences I've had, but we can all have the same experience and it's experience with Jesus, and it will change us and our view of everyone forever. So this morning, oh, how we need an experience with Jesus. I don't want you to do what I say. I don't want you to do what I think. I don't want you to become like me. I want us to become like Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Because I believe that Jesus loves everyone. I believe that Jesus died for everyone, even them. Yes, even you because it's not everybody, I'm out. I don't make the cut. I don't make the list. I haven't done enough. I've done too much bad. I've done too much wrong, and yet Jesus says, I look at you. I see your skin color. I see your goofy hair. I see your skinniness. I see everything about you. I know everything that you've done. Yeah, you've done a little bit of good, but you've done a lot of bad, boy. And he says, I love you, and I want you. And he wants that for you today. He wants that for There's a bunch of people who aren't here today who need to hear that. Guess who they're going to hear it from? Me? No, because they're not here. They're going to hear it from you because you know them. Share this with them. Love them first. Share the gospel with them. In just a moment, we're going to pray. We're going to invite you to respond. Maybe this morning you need to receive Jesus. We want to invite you to come and respond. There's going to be people here that can pray with you and help you if you need that. Maybe God's showing you something that shouldn't be there, and you need to pray through that this morning. We invite you to pray. We're also going to give you an opportunity to give, to worship God through your giving. Check this out. Check this out. We are helping through our generosity of this church, we are helping a church get planted in Boston, Massachusetts. Guess what Boston, Massachusetts is? I can't hardly say that Massachusetts word. It's a melting pot. Do you know how many different nationalities there are in Boston? All of them. We've got a guy that a lot of you know named Jason Talent who's up there planting a church. We are supporting him financially. We're praying for him. Uh, He's been trying to find a meeting space, and he's been praying and looking and praying and looking. And we're talking like thousands of dollars a month to have a place to worship that you rent, that you get for a few hours. Well, they found a place, and we're talking thousands of dollars, but it didn't have parking. Nothing was opening up. Jason began this relationship with this baker in town, this neat place, bakery, great place to eat, and gathering area and whatnot. Developed this relationship with him. Well, lo and behold, this baker just keeps asking questions about this church he's going to start. And Jason's telling him, man, I'm trying to find a place to meet. Well, the baker just says, you know what? You can meet here. And the baker says, more than that, I'm not going to charge you a dime. That's a cool experience. I've had it happen before. It's really, really cool. Let me top it off. The baker He's Muslim. It's amazing what happens when you just look at people like people. And you love them with the gospel. I can't wait to hear when we hear about this baker who doesn't just give his store, but gives his heart to Jesus, right? That's what our generosity is impacting around the world. Pray for him. If got a communication card you can drop it in I'm going to pray after this prayer we're going to stand we're going to sing we're going to give we're going to pray Father we thank you for today thank you for your word move in our hearts show us what we need to see even if we don't want to see it help us to respond to you we love you we praise you take our offerings of praise and our offerings of generosity and our offerings of prayer and hear us today through Jesus our Lord and Savior who died for us who bled for us who suffered for us on that cross but didn't stay dead and came back from the dead. Help us to know that message and that good news is for everyone. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand and would you respond?